The City Life app enables you to listen to Sunday messages and even explore the Bible while listening. Stay up to date with church life through our Connect section and much more. Download the City Life app today. Welcome to the City Life podcast. Our desire is to make Jesus known. We pray that these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. But the reason I'm here and the reason I'm so excited is because I feel like I've got a message placed on my heart and I'm just so ready for it to come out. And, and I want to let you know that for each person here who's made it here, I respect you. You could have been a lot of places, but you chose to be here today. A lot of you, and I know personally, you went through a lot just to get here. You went through a lot this weekend, but you showed up. And I'm believing in Jesus' name that you were going to leave here with your head lifted. And you were going to leave here so encouraged with divine direction and focus and vision. That's my prayer for you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Any uh, married people here? Fantastic. Oh, great. How about single people? Great. Keep your hand up. Take a good look around. See what you're working with. You're like, Pastor, in church? I'm like, yeah. If you're going to go fishing, might as well go in some clean water. Ooh, girl. Well, I'm, I'm going to preach, and before I do, I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to get into the Word of God. Let me, we, uh, if you feel comfortable, would you lift your hand? Just a sign of receiving. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. God, we thank you for this day. This is a day that we didn't deserve, but you gave it to us anyway. And God, we choose to open our minds, open our hearts for what you're about to do. And God, for me personally, my prayer, since I am full of flaw, I am full of error, I am far from perfection, and we're believing through your scripture that your strength would may, may be made perfect in my weakness and that the person of Jesus would be revealed. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. As you're having a seat, turn to someone next to you and say, it's your lucky day. Come on, it's your lucky day because you're sitting next to me. And turn to your second choice and tell them, awkward. Fantastic. Has anybody here, would you consider yourself musically inclined? Music, I would say, I'm honestly musically inclined. Keep your hand up. Fantastic. Fantastic. Next group, how many of you here would say that I'm more so musically declined? De musical decliners, a church full of integrity and honesty. Wow, fantastic. Now for the third group, which is everybody else who didn't raise their hand, obviously, uh, how many of you would say that you are musically reclined? Which is like, I'm kind of somewhere in between, right? That's where I live and I stay. I didn't, you didn't know that there was musical, musical reclination, but there is. And so I want to tell you a story. For my third birthday, for the, for the first time, I received drumsticks. When I was just a little kid, I had always been fascinated with the drums. I loved the drums. During worship and during uh, uh, concerts, I would just be focused and fascinated on watching the drummer. And at age 14, I received my first 1990s 
Tama Swing Star Blue Drum Kit. Ooh, girl. I was feeling good in the neighborhood, and I played that drum kit like nothing else. I played it so hard, and I loved it so much. Drumming for me was one of those things where I could just lose myself in it. Anybody have something like that? And there came a time where I built up the confidence to go talk to my youth pastor, age 14, and ask if I could join the church worship band. In fact, the youth worship band more specifically. He said, sure, why don't you just come and check out some of our practices? And so you better believe I was there an hour early for practice. I was the last one to leave, and I, would, I began attending practices. And, and I would get there so early, an hour early every time, because I was so excited for the potential opportunity to get to play with the band. And one day, mid-practice, I got called up. And all of a sudden, my heart started beating. It was like beating irregularly, like beep a bop beep a bop beep It's like, oh, you've got a regular heartbeat. Well, I wasn't a regular kid. And so I, I went, I walked up and sat down on the drums, and I had a fantastic time. And it wasn't two, maybe three months later that I was asked to play the opening song for youth group. <sighs> all right, so my excitement skyrocketed. I went and... I began practicing, and I practiced so hard, and, and blisters were forming on my hands, and I didn't care. I just loved it so much. Every single day, I would practice this one song, this one song that I was going to be playing with the band. And the day finally came, and went through wor worship practice before service began. And this was the first time that I was going to be playing along with something called a track. And when you're playing along with a track, there's something coming through, sound coming through the system, like another song that you're playing over. All right, does that make sense? You follow? If you follow, say I. Uh, fantastic. And I walk up to, to play, and I'm, putting, and I'm going to put on my headphones so that I can hear the track, okay? And I'm, and I'm so excited. Like, I'm ready. I, get, I have the song down. It's memorized. It's in my heart. And the song begins. I begin to play. I begin to feel so good. I'm in my rhythm. I'm locked in. And all of a sudden, the bassist kind of turns after about 14 seconds, looks at me, and kind of gives me a face like this. And then the keyboardist looks up, and they're making like the nose like scrunch face, like looking at me like, like they're trying to read me, you know, but they can't, like I'm a book, and they're looking at me like this, and I'm thinking, wow, I must be doing pretty good. I must be rocking it, but unbeknownst to me, when I pulled my headphones on, it actually came unplugged, and I couldn't hear the track, and there wasn't one but two beats playing in the whole auditorium. And everyone was concerned and wondering what was wrong with me. And I thought something was right with me until I came to pick up my stuff at the end of service. So I walk up and I'm going to get my drum bag and my equipment. And Danny, who is the A drummer, was there adjusting and, uh, and cleaning some stuff up in the drum kit area. So I walk over to get my kit and he said, hey, Preston. Say, hey, Danny. Yeah, good night. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, here's the thing, man. Uh, whenever you play, can you be sure and like fix everything back for to set me up when I play it? I said, okay, sure. 
yeah, no problem. You got it. Anything, man. And he said, also, man, I just want you to know, uh, like, the only reason that they let you play is because they feel sorry for you for going to all those practices. So just hope you know that. said, yeah, okay, on the outside, but on the inside, I didn't feel okay. On the outside, I put on a smile to appear confident, but on the inside, insecurity began to rise. Where I had once had a passion for drumming, for music, was replaced with an insecurity, and it sapped my passion. I want to ask you this question today. I wonder what insecurity has sapped from your life. What is insecurity? We're talking about the hurdle of Insecurity. Ultimately, insecurity is a hyper-awareness of your lack or indebtedness. Insecurity, if you're taking notes, is a hyper-awareness of your lack or indebtedness. Isn't insecurity isn't necessarily something that happens to you. Insecurity is a perspective that you take on. It's not that anything changed on the inside, but I became aware what was already there. Why is insecurity important? Well, I think it's so important because of what's at stake in your life. And here it is. Insecurity will keep you from loving deeply, living generously, and advancing into your future. Leading yourself, ultimately, into your future. Insecurity will keep you from loving deeply. How do I know that? What happens when an individual has had their trust broken and eroded time and time again? Maybe you're here and that's happened to you. I'm sure that's a lot of you. And what happens and what have you done in your life? You keep everybody at an arm's length. You show up, but you're not really there, right? And since everyone's at an arm's length and everyone's only seeing the projected you, you never really let anyone in too close. And ultimately, people cannot love and connect with who you pretend to be. And it saps you from the opportunity to love deeply and have connection. Also, insecurity keeps you from living generously. Hmm. There's something about an individual who lives with generosity, but... How insecurity alters that is interesting because when we are insecure, our mindset is in a place of scarcity. So what do we do? We suppress our emotion, what we have to give, what we can do, because if we give it away, it may not be reciprocated. Right. Now, I want to tell you about Two little dogs that my parents have named Peanut and Buttercup. Peanut, there they are, Peanut and Buttercup. That's worth a smile right there. Now, those are some of the most feisty, ch loving chihuahuas on planet Earth. And uh, recently, I came to my parents, I was dropping by my parents' house to pick something up. And as I was approaching the door, and I jiggled the door handle. All of a sudden, I heard, oh! I opened the door, and it's 
two chihuahuas running at me full speed. Their tails are wagging so hard that it's like shaking their whole body. And they jump up on me and they're like licking my jeans. And I'm like, hey, girls, good to see you. Oh, yeah, whatever. And they're just so excited and they just continue to give out affirmation until I just kind of walk in. And so, so I go in and I, and I talk and, and I end up talking to mom. Okay, I'm going to pick something up. I end up talking to mom, and I end up talking to mom longer than anticipated. That's what happens when you talk to mom. And while I'm talking to mom, I actually forget what I came home for in the first place. So, all right. So, so I leave, I leave mom and dad's place, and I get in the car. And about four minutes down the road, I remember what I had gone there to get. So I come back, I go and I jiggle the handle, and all of a sudden I hear, oh, open the door. Two chihuahuas running at me with full speed intensity with their eyes popped and the dogs are smiling. Some say dogs can't smile, but I saw smiles coming to greet me as if I had been gone for five months. It had been three minutes. See, why can they love and why can they give affirmation openly like that? Because they have no fear that it will be reciprocated. My little pups are secure and their generosity. That's funny when it's dogs, but it's not so funny when it's your life. Insecurity will also keep you from advancing into your future, leading yourself into your unique future. Insecurity, as I said, comes from a place of scarcity, so it looks something like this. Anybody ever going to sleep at night, say to yourself, oh, I didn't get enough done today. And then what happens is you didn't get enough done, so you're thinking all through the night of what you didn't get done. Then all of a sudden you wake up in the morning thinking, oh, I didn't get enough sleep. And then what happens because you didn't get enough sleep, you don't get enough done the next day. And all of a sudden, not enough sleep, not enough done, you start to live out of a place of not enough. Not enough is a place of scarcity. So what we're doing internally, subconsciously, is building our own insecurities. We're living and embodying the idea of, I'm not enough. And that keeps us from advancing, from leading ourselves into our future. But there's something attractive about somebody who is just secure in who they are. Isn't there something just magnetic about someone who is comfortable in their own skin? Someone who loves deeply, lives generously, and can lead themselves into their future. Did you know that's who we're called to be as followers of Jesus? As followers of Jesus, we were not designed, built, orchestrated to live insecure lives. We were designed to be full of security, to love deeply, to live generously, and advance with confidence into the future. I want us to take a look for a moment at an individual by the name of Saul. Everybody say Saul. Saul, y'all. And 1 Samuel 10, verse 20. Go with me there if you have your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, will you show them to me? Hold them up real quick. Fantastic. Some of your Bibles are glowing. That's cool. 1 Samuel chapter 10. And I want to set this story up for you. Saul is to be anointed king over Israel. Israel had never had a king to date. 
um, Israel had been ruled, run by judges and prophets. And the prophet Samuel, who was looking after the nation of Israel, had recently anointed privately Saul as king. God told, told Samuel who to anoint. It was this individual by the name of Saul. And now we find, find Saul in this state, in this place, in this story, about to be publicly recognized and to step into his kingship. Saul was tall. Uh, Saul was handsome. Saul stood out among the people, Scripture says. And we're going to find here in the text that it's very obvious that just because you look secure on the outside doesn't mean you have security on the inside. First Samuel chapter 10. Then Samuel brought, verse 20, Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clans, and the clan of the Matrites was taken by Lot. And Saul, son of Kish, aren't you glad your dad's not named Kish, was taken by Lot. But when they sought him, he could not be found. So they inquired of the Lord, is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Saul was there, but he wasn't really there. Then they ran and took him from there, literally dragging Saul out from among the baggage. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upwards. Just because you look secure on the outside doesn't mean you are on the inside. And Samuel said to the people, do you see who, him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, long live the king. Long live the king. Let's go back to verse 22 in a second. But before I do, when Saul was anointed king, many of us know Saul for his error, for his mistakes, the latter portion of his life. But ultimately, Saul's beginning from this point forward was very strong. Saul, in the years to come, was used and serve the nation to release the Israelites from any oppressors and to really advance the kingdom. But Saul may have never had that opportunity and chance because we found him hidden among the baggage. Verse 22 says, Behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Saul had hidden himself among baggage. Why? Out of insecurity of the future. Okay? Let me ask you the question. Have you hidden yourself among the baggage of the, your past? I wonder what the baggage of your past looks like that has been holding you back from advancing into your future. Here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about hiding your emotion in the baggage of your past, not being fully emotionally engaged in your future and, your, and the present being because of how you've been hurt in the past. What do we do when we are afraid and insecure of the future? We return to the baggage of our past. We pick it up. We walk with it, and it weighs us down. That's the state Saul was in. So what do we do? There's an interesting ob observations is we never find Saul acting out of a state of insecurity until his world began to expand. Hmm. 
Okay. Saul was never insecure until his world expanded. Which means, just because you're feeling insecure doesn't necessarily mean you're headed in the wrong direction. So Saul was anointed king. He stood there as king, but he didn't feel like a king. Saul didn't feel like a king, but he was a king. And here's my point. Oh, fantastic. And it's already up there on the screen. And I want you to amen like it's the first time you ever heard it. Just because you feel insecure doesn't mean you have to be insecure. Come on, fantastic. Just because you feel insecure doesn't mean you have to be insecure. Who Saul was was not how he felt. How Saul felt is not who he was. Samuel said, this is the king whom the Lord has appointed. Saul did not choose the kingship. The kingship chose Saul. Just because you feel insecure doesn't mean you have to be insecure. I want to ask you this question. How, how many would you, how many, I want to ask this question. What percent of individuals on the planet have felt insecurity at some point in their life? Come on, how many? What? 100%. 100 stinking percent. Great. Out of those 100%, how many of those individuals love deeply, live generously, and lead themselves into their future daily? A very small margin. But those are the very people who we aspire to, who we connect with. Those are the very individuals who change the world. Just because you feel insecure doesn't mean you have to be insecure. Huh. Now, I'm going to give you an application here in a moment. But, uh, but before I do, I want to acknowledge what 1 John says. 1 John says, uh, in 1 John, he says, God, um, God is greater than your heart. God is greater than your heart. The scripture also says that the heart is deceitful among all things. But our culture tells us, follow your heart. Right? Follow your passion. Follow your heart. Trust your heart. Let fate decide. Tarzan, our culture, Disney tells us, follow your heart. But scripture says, your heart is deceitful. God is greater than your heart. It's not that the heart is bad. It's not, we're not supposed to follow our heart. Our heart is supposed to follow us, what God placed us in. And so here's what I'm saying. Your emotions are not reality. What you feel in this present moment, what you felt this week, that doesn't determine who you are. What you feel is not who you are. Just because you feel anxious doesn't mean you have to be anxious. Just because you feel insecure doesn't mean you have to be insecure. Just because you feel displaced here doesn't mean that you are. How you feel is not who you are. Number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number two is inspect your intake. This is the application portion. It's time to inspect your intake. How many of you would say that you, you, you enjoy working out? You enjoy, raise your hand nice and high. All right, you guys are crazy weirdos, odd, my hands lifted too. So here's the deal. Uh, recently, rec I wasn't recently, it was actually a couple years ago, uh, a trainer friend of mine came to me and he, uh, he said, and I was, wasn't necessarily getting the results I was looking for in my workouts. And, and what he said, he said, Preston, you're doing a, a whole lot of push-ups, but you're not focused on what you're putting in. 
So, so I said, well, what do you mean? He's like, Preston, you can't outwork a bad diet. I said, oh, interesting. In other words, what does that translate for us? Insecurity and cellulite have one thing in common. Christians, you can't pray either way. You've got to inspect your, you've got to inspect your intake. You got to inspect your, you got to be careful what you're letting in. You guys are concerned about what's coming out, what you're feeling on the inside, but you have no perspective of what's coming in your soul. Here's the deal. This is for somebody today. You're, you're insecure and you're anxious and you're feeling really negative. But maybe it's time to get away and to move away from those negative people who are pulling you down and associate with somebody else. You're there with this relationship thinking that you can change them, but they're actually changing you. It's time to inspect your intake. Inspect your intake. All right, let me, let me illustrate this. So anyone got the new I, iOS update? Anyone got it? Anyone doesn't really care about it? All right, yeah, I'm kind of there too. So recently, uh, I was in the office, and Jordan was like, hey, man, did you get the new iOS update? And I was like, I was, and that's how he talks. And I was like, yeah. uh, I was like, no, nah, man, I haven't got it yet. And he showed it to me, and he was like, you can do this. I was like, that's crazy. That's so cool. So, okay, so I, a couple of days later, I go, and I, and, I, and I download the new iOS update, and I was having fun. And, and so all of a sudden, I, I was on, and I saw some notifications. So I go, and I press on the notifications, and, and I enter into a world of social media. And so I was just planning on sitting there for about three and a half minutes and then getting on about my day and I'm feeling good about life and I open up the notifications and 16 minutes later, I come and I look at myself and I think, huh, after everything I just looked at, I actually was feeling good about life before. I don't even like myself right now and that just took 16 minutes. Here's what I'm saying. And I, and I found this, this new feature on the phone that's fantastic, and, and I'm sure most of you have it who have a phone, and you can do it along with me. Yeah, Jack, not yet. And so I'll show it to you here in just a second. So what you do is you just pull, you pull out your phone, and, and if you're feeling like that, and you're feeling in that state of insecurity, so uh, all you got to do is open it up, and then there's this button on the side, and then you squeeze it like this, okay? And boom, all of a sudden... This screen comes up, and all you got to do is swipe, if your hands aren't sweaty, and it's off. And anxiety is depleted by 78%. Bye. Bye. You were never designed to have the world's problems, everybody's weddings, everyone's highlight reel, everyone's engagement, everyone's new house, everyone's new car, the World War 33 buzzing in your butt pocket. In Jesus' name. You got to inspect your, it's time for somebody to inspect your intake, intake in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Number three, number three is this. You have everything to give when you realize you have nothing to prove. You can live with everything to give when you realize you've got nothing to prove. Church, you got nothing to prove. Just show up. Stop trying to prove yourself to somebody. 
Stop trying to perform for something that you've already got the part in. You've got nothing to prove. I wonder what, would, what Saul's life would have been like if he came in a servant perspective rather than a performance perspective. It's much easier to show up to serve than it is to perform. The pressure's off. Recently, uh, I had an encounter with a, a friend of mine, and um, I had been inviting him to church for months, months at a time, and uh, a buddy of mine in, in the gym, and, and so finally, rel- reluctantly, he said, yeah, man, I'll come check it out, and uh, I said, well, fantastic, and, and, uh, and he said, but, but before I do, man, I just want to let you know, man, I, I don't know if I can come. I said, wait, what do you mean? You just said you can. He said, no, I, I can, but I can't because I feel like if I do show up, that, uh, man, if I show up to church, the roof might cave in. And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I work there, and it's still up. He goes, no, nah, man, uh, I'm just like, not, I'm not too good. I'm not really the Christian type. And so uh, my buddy, he's into what you call, you know, as pastors, we call it, we call it just for the sense of grace, uh, street pharmaceuticals. And so I said, no, nah, man, you're good. You're good. And so he came, and he showed up on Easter Sunday. He came and, and uh, sat next to me, and, and after the, the service, you know, I was just concerned and wondering what was going on in his mind. After the service, he came out and ate, ate lunch with me, and I said, what do you think? And he goes, man, it's good. It's good. He said, man, the people there are, uh, are nice. I was like, I mean, your face doesn't look like it's good. I was like, I don't get it. He goes, yeah, man, they're, they're nice. They like to talk to me, and then they're coming up to me, and it feels really good there. I was like, but your face doesn't look good. He goes, yeah, yeah, forget it, whatever, whatever. So you're going to come back? Yeah, I might, I might. It's nice. And so my buddy came back the next week, and that following Monday, he got picked up and ended up in jail because of a series of bad decisions from his past. And that next week, I went and visited him and in jail, and and set up a rhythm of going to see him every every week. And and finally, he broke down and he asked me. He said, "Man, what? Why do you keep showing up? Why are you even here?" And I, I respond to him, ultimately, I don't, even, I don't even know why I'm here, except that God has been so good to me, and I can't help but show up. He told me, I want, I want what you have. I want that peace you walk in. Because he was touched at our church because of you, and because of that moment right there in an, an attorney booth that I got to use as a clergyman. He re- accepted Jesus. And I got to pray with him. And he finished praying. And he's like, as soon as we finish praying, he goes, F. I said, what? He goes, that felt good. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he started breathing deep and exhaling. And, uh, and looking down because he's tearing up. And, 
the next week I come and find out from him and also his attorney that he may be facing up to 10 years prison time. So I walk in with this knowledge and, and ask him, so how are you doing with this? How are you doing really? And he looked up at me with a blank face, blank expression and told me, I'm just saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So what do you mean? He said, I didn't expect getting saved or accepting Jesus to change my circumstances. I got myself into this. But I can say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me for what I'm about to face. Because I'm about to walk into a space where everybody has something to prove, and now I have something to give. Something can change in your life when you have the perspective of I've got nothing to prove but everything to give. What would happen if you began to live your life like that? Nothing can touch you. No circumstance can beat you down. What would happen to our church if we were the type of church with nothing to prove but everything to give? Everybody we talk to, every, every time we wake up and step out of our space, everything to give, nothing to prove. I tell you what, it'll set you free in Jesus' name. Will you stand with me? I'm going to read to you this final scripture as we close out of Colossians 2.13. And Saul, when he was anointed king of Israel, was age 30. And many, many years later, Jesus, at age 30, was baptized as king of all creation. Saul is a picture of our Old Testament frailty, our faultiness, our insecurity, our inability, our inability ultimately to perform. But Jesus is a perfect picture of his performance. Colossians says this, when you were dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. And having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. I'm here to tell somebody today, your insecurity has been nailed to the cross. It's not on you anymore in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. We're going to sing it. Would you lift your hands? Would you lift your voice? If your security is in the name of Jesus, you have nothing to prove. You have everything to give. Just because you feel insecure doesn't mean you have to be it. Sing Jesus.
in this space and in this moment, will you close your eyes for just a moment of concentration and privacy? This is the most important part of our gathering and in this space. Maybe you're here today and you don't have security for your eternity. I wonder and I want to ask, what's your relationship with God, the creator of heaven and earth? If you want to know this Jesus that we talk about, you want to live your life with a new sense of purpose, a new security and direction, I'm going to give you this opportunity to respond. If you're here today and you say, Preston, I want that. I want that security. I want to have eternity secured. And I want to live with that passion and boldness. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to lift your hand up and put it right back down. By lifting your hand, you're saying, Preston, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to accept Jesus into my life. Here we go. One, God loves you so much. Two, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait another day. Three, if that's you and you want to receive Jesus, put your hand straight up, put it right back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Who else? Who else? Today is the day of salvation. Who else? Thank you. That's it. That's it. I'm waiting for you. For those of you who lifted your hands or, and along with the entire congregation of believers, I want you to pray this prayer and repeat after me and pray it with boldness and conviction. Say, Dear Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I admit that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that you are the Son of God. I choose to give up my past and embrace the future. Embrace the security that only you offer. Everything changes today. In Jesus' name. City Life is able to continue making Jesus known through the consistent investments of many. If you would like to invest financially into the vision, you can do so at citylifecenter.org. Simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can stay connected through Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday.